Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to Business of the Impossible, and now your host, James Lontaya. Welcome to Business of the Impossible. My name is James Antayao, and on today's episode, I have a great conversation with the Mike Ricca, world traveler, photographer, stoner supreme, and best of all, a good friend of mine. Mike and I met over 10 years ago in the Bay Area. Uh, at that time, he was a writer, photographer, huge techie, awesome nerd, and still is all those things. And uh, when I left for LA, in 2009, Mike went to New York, and every couple years we'd hang out here in LA, and he'd stay with me, take some photos, do some fun stuff, and talk. Uh, this time around, did the same thing, but this time our talk was on this podcast, and it was about time, and I'm glad uh, I got to hang out with him and listen to his fun stories, because he is uh, he's a new, unique guy, and I'm glad I know him. So please enjoy this conversation with the one and only Mike Ricca. It kind of goes uh, hand in hand with your equipment and my equipment, you know. Yeah. Photography and and uh, audio recording—they're they're cousins to video, I guess. This right? is true. This is true. I, I like the fact that my stuff isn't very fragile, though, because I'm not gentle with my gear. Like whenever I sell something, it's always got scuffs and scars. It's, I mean, to be fair, it they're cameras. I mean, it's not like I'd be throwing a deck around a room. Sure. But my cameras, they get a like bit photography bad. equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my. How long have you been doing photography? Twenty-one years. Damn, dude. Yeah. How'd you start? Um, I was taking community college, and I needed three more credits. <laughs> Where, uh, where are you taking class 10? <laughs> <laughs> not as exciting. It's not like, well, my dad, you know, used to be a photographer and he handed down. No, no, no. I was just, I was going to community college in Maryland. Um, and, you know, just because I was trying to get back into school. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I needed three more credits to hit 15. And I'm looking through the catalog and it's like, oh, photography. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Okay. Was it like lifestyle or... No, it was just it was your basic photography one hundred and one. So it was the very basics. Um, you know, it was the kind of thing. It was. It's funny. It's basically the exact same thing that I see now in like online guides, like those little online classes. You know, where they have like these exercises. Like today, we'll talk about motion blur and this and that. And I'm like, this is like almost word for word like the curriculum of like college courses. Um, and so that's you know, so it's just a basic photo class, and we. You know, um, experimented. But the cool thing was that we did all our own developing. So it was a darkroom class. It was like the full photography. And so a lot of it was darkroom work. And I think that's where most of the tutelage came in. Because, you know, at a certain point, you learn the basics of the camera. Then you just go out and you do your thing. You know? Do you remember your first camera that you bought? Mm, I don't I think the one I had in college was a Pentax. I, I honestly can't remember. Uh, but the first one that I bought... <clears throat> it's probably like a Nikon FM10, uh, which is just a basic like film camera. Like that was the first, because like I did it in, so I did it in the late 90s, 
Um, and then, no, yeah, I pretty much did it on and off throughout ever since then. But like, there were certain years where I didn't do it as much. It's like I, there were a couple of years where I didn't have a camera. And so the first one that I bought after that was a Nikon. Um, and then it was pretty much just that. And then I impulse bought a digital SLR. Um, I was <laughs> I was at a Best Buy waiting to be picked up by uh, some buddies. I was waiting for my ride. You know, it's like, oh, I'll pick you. Know, we'll meet at Best Buy. I'll pick you up. I'm like, okay. He's like, yeah, I'm running late. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll wait inside. Do, 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 do. Oh, look, cameras. Oh, yeah. And my friend had just gotten a Canon Rebel like two weeks prior, and I'd played with it. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah, to someone, you know, I'd only been ever doing film, so digital. I was like, oh, my God, look, I can see it. And it was yeah, like, oh. the new frontier, right? Oh, my God. Because, like, I'd had digital cameras, but they were like the janky little, like, Kodak little, you know, they looked like baby's first camera. <laughs> um, and then I had a Canon PowerShot, which was kind of cool. With, like the digital cameras are starting to get a little bit decent, but it was still like a Digicam. It was still like an Instamatic, you know. Um, and the SLR was the first. One. I was like, oh my god, this is like my cameras. It's like real quote unquote cameras. And so I was at, uh, I was yeah, I was at the Best Buy. I was at the Best Buy um, in San Francisco. Uh, the one off the freeway, the one off yeah. the one one. Yep, yep, okay. yep. I was waiting. Actually, I was waiting for Dino. Dino. Um, yeah, Dino was gonna pick me up. Uh, the internet, the internet famous Dino. Internet famous Dino Ignacio. Uh, he and a buddy uh, were gonna pick me up, and so I was just waiting there. And so I, was, I saw the cameras. I huh. I looked at my wallet. I didn't have any money, and I saw their little thing for cre- Best Buy credit card, and I'm like, oh hey, okay, cool. So it's free. <laughs> nice. And so I got it. Um, and then I actually bought the Canon first. And then like a week later, found out because of uh, Dino's wife, Nina, actually told me that Nikon's, uh, you know, was a lot better. I'm like, oh, I like Nikon. So I returned the Canon, got a Nikon and just kind of went from there. Were you doing, were you in the tech industry at the time? I was, uh, when was this? This was. Because the story of Mike is, 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 <laughs> is fun and, and. To get to now, it starts in SF, or we met, correct? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but since we met to then, like, I knew you as a photographer and a writer primarily. Yeah. Um, sometimes performer, but always an adventurer. <laughs> and uh, we just met pr- primarily through Bindlestead Studios, and you were doing photos, and you were a writer, uh, primarily with the Five Show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had seen you um, in... Uh... I think it was Love Edition. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think you know which piece I'm talking about. Um, I'm not going to name names, but you, <laughs> <laughs> you know what she's talking sure. about. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Can name names. Okay. <laughs> I was in that with Nicole, right? Uh, yeah. Nicole and uh, Ed. Yeah, and it was, so, it, was, it was something with... I remember there was a laundry room. Yeah, laundry yeah. room scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot, that was back to my, I think so, it was my first introduction to... Uh, well, previous to Bindle Stiff, I, I was there doing a play. Yeah. Um, I think it was Sam Chance's play. Which one? It uh, it was with Ali Wong. Oh. And uh, it's me, Susan Young, and another character where Ali played... Uh, the now real-world famous Ali Wong. Yeah, the now... The, the, the famous Ali Wong. I saw her at Whole Foods. I tried to say hi to her, but she was ahead of me in a couple <laughs> lines. And I would be like, ah, she's... Uh, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think she's I didn't know what to say. I was like, what are you going to say? Hey, Allie. 
You don't think she'd remember you? I'm sure she would. Okay, well, then. but I was just like, it was like a busy, yeah, Whole Foods, and she was like four people ahead of me, and I could tell she was just like, let's get our shit and go. I like how there's there's this arbitrary like okay, so four's too many. If 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 there was if she was right in front of you, obviously I would have said hello. Out. Yeah, if there were one person between you, you'd probably reach around and say hello. Yeah, but if there are two people, then you wouldn't. Is, is two, well, she was already is being. She's already up? checking out and is getting her stuff. Okay. And I just noticed her as that. I said, "Oh, say ah, uh, too late." But if she was already like, if she waiting, was still waiting, I'd been like, "Hey." Even if she was like four people ahead, yeah, I would have said, "Hey." Okay. But anyways, I was in that play. We did it at Bindle Stiff. Yes. And then uh, that's when I was like, "Oh, let me audition for this this thing, uh, the Love Edition." So, um, and I met you there. Yeah. Then I saw uh, the Fob Show. Over, I think it was, it was at like Hayward, something like that. You guys brought it there for something. Oh, 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 that was when we did one of our tour things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were a writer then, photographer. Uh, were you a stoner then? I've always been a stoner. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where our friendship uh, excels at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, you've, uh, you're here visiting LA, and you've you've been, been hanging out with me the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Doing photos, hanging out, um, watching some fun things. But you came and visited me when I was in Koreatown. Yes, I did. I saw the I saw the old place. Yeah, and that's the last time we did photos. I think. Well, we did yes. photos again in my old yeah, well, place. Yeah, well, yeah. Whenever whenever I come through, whenever we hang out, we kind of we kind of take pictures. That's, yeah, that's because we did it. And I remember like various roommates, like I remember your various living situations, mm-hmm. you know, through the years. I still remember the place that had the nice little roof spot. That was great. I love Koreatown. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sad I left that place, but it was it was time to go. Yeah, you know? especially for the the money they were, they were paying it was pretty great, you know. Yeah. Um, plus, the rooftop access is crucial. That was. That was so nice. Yeah. Either either get the garden or get the roof. Don't get stuck in the middle. You stuck. Yeah. Just kind of sucks in the middle. That's how my last place was a shithole. <laughs> but I was like, all right, I'm almost done. Let me yeah. get out of here. Yeah, man. Um, you've been traveling the world, literally. Yeah, sort of. I've been sort of leapfrogging the world. I've been because like <clears throat> traveling tends to imply a sort of ongoing adventure. And this is really just like, uh, you know, I just, it's, it's, I'm sort of like the traveling version of, of a Roomba or, <laughs> or one of those like old, you know, toy cars where it just goes in line until it hits something and then it goes off in another line. So like, traveling. <laughs> you know, so like, cause I've been going since like 2014. Like I, I left <sighs> my Brooklyn apartment. I, g- I gave up my Brooklyn apartment to... You had, tra- a, sweet, you had a sweet place? I, I loved my place. I loved my, It was so beautiful. I, I'm trying not to think about it. It's like it's like the one that got away. Um, <laughs> it's a farm. I get it. It's, dude, New York apartments. People who've lived in New York... Well, yeah, anyway. Um, How long were you in New York for? I was there for five years. Okay. And then I decided, all right, I need to see the world because if I don't leave New York, I'll never leave New York because there's always something there to to keep you like, let's do the timeline real quick i left for la 2009 oh, and you left right. for new york yeah for, no you know, so 2009 yeah, yeah we so both left the bay area we both left the bay at roughly the same time 2009 um we went you, you know, like i went to new york you went to bizarro new york mm-hmm. um <laughs> that's great and i was i was there for five years 
And then I decided, and like in my fourth year, I got laid off from my desk job of like almost eight years. And so I went full time with the photography and it was great, um, you know, and it was doing really well. And for some reason, I am one of those people who sees when something going really well says, hey, let me poke it. And so decided that it was time for me to leave New York, that five years was was a good. It's a good run. Yeah, it was a good run. It was a good cutoff time. Um, especially because like, I really did want to travel and yeah, it's just one of those things, either you, either you do it or you're never gonna, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I gave up my apartment and then I spent five weeks, uh, hiking across Spain. I did the Camino de Santiago. Explain that to people Um, what that is. So that is the Camino is a, is a pilgrimage that ends in the town of Santiago de Compostela in northwest Spain, in um, in Galicia, um, and Ooh, beautiful accent, <laughs> Galicia. Where does it Actually, start? it's I think it's just Galicia. It's really just Barcelona that does the th. And um, but where does it start? So well, that's the thing. So it starts in various places. Okay. So it is. So Santiago de Compostela is where supposedly the bones of John the Baptist are interred. Okay, so John the Baptist, the guy. J the B. J the B. Um, and at a certain point in history, St. Francis de Assisi <clears throat> excuse me, did, um, did a pilgrimage. So people had been doing the pilgrimage for years already, and they would come from Why all over Europe. It's, it's a Christian thing. Okay. I don't, you know, I mean, it just, they're like, oh, he's over there. And they, they didn't have, you know, really cars or anything, so they just kind of walked. <laughs> so you know it's like well we want to go visit his bones and so we're gonna go walk there and so they they walk from all over from you know madrid from lisbon from uh italy from france from germany all from all over europe uh and to reach santiago de compostela and at a certain point in history about i think 500 years ago something like that uh, St. Francis of Assisi did the pilgrimage and then that kind of became the, the way that he went became the quote unquote official route of the, uh, of the Camino, the Camino Frances, um, which starts in France, goes over the Pyrenees through like, uh, Pamplona and then through like Northern Spain. So, um, you know, you've got, uh, uh, Rioja, so where the wine comes from, like gorgeous wine country. You've got, you know, Logroño, Leon, just all these, all these northern bits, and you get to Santiago de Compostela, which is about a three-day walk from the ocean. And so most, a lot of people who, because it's about a five-week hike across Spain. You're, you're, just a mere five weeks. It's you did that? you did three weeks, right? No, no, I did five weeks. All five. I did five weeks. I did I, I did thirty-five days uh, exactly, Sunday to Sunday. And so you're basically hiking about, on average, maybe 15 miles a day you're walking. You're walking for maybe six to eight hours. Um, and then so after after five weeks, you get to the end and it's like three more days to the coast. You're like, well, screw it, may as well. And so you go to the coast, you go to Finisterre, which translates to um, end of the earth. And in fact, the symbol of the Camino is a conch shell, is a, is a shell symbol. And that is because pilgrims, it kind of became their symbol. So like pilgrims carry these shells. And because originally 
pilgrims who had people who had made the pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela would go to the coast to get a shell as proof that they had done the pilgrimage. Did you, you get know? a shell? I did. In fact, but it's kind of backwards now where you get a shell at the beginning of the thing. So you can like, there's like a place where you can check in and kind of register with the Camino, you know, organization or whatever. Um, and they give you a passport. And this passport, you get stamped as you stay in um, albergues, they're called. They're like hostel slash B&Bs. Um, they're kind of like personal like B&Bs, but they're set up like hostels and stuff. Um, and every time you go, you spend the night somewhere. Every time you get a meal somewhere, any shop, any place along the community, they all have their own little stamps. And they all have their own little logos. Some are goofy, some are, you know, boring, some are you know, really intricate. And when you get to the end, you have to show your passport to show that you've actually done the Camino, that you've oh, done wow. the prerequisite amount. Um, proof, proof of walk. Exactly. And so at the beginning, when you get your passport, you can also like, you know, like for a Euro donation or something, pick up a shell that you kind of bring with you. And so that's what I did. And so I still have mine. Um, and, and, you know, with my little mementos. And then when I got to Finisterre, I picked up shells for like you know like family so like those were my souvenirs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was it was it was gorgeous. And then so after, so I did that. Um, and then after that, I went came back to the states for a bit, um, while my girlfriend and I were trying to figure out well where to next. We were thinking about we were planning on moving to Austin. Uh, then that kind of fell apart, and so I moved to the Philippines. And then, so that was the thing. So, and then, so from that point on, it was a sort of like seven months in the Philippines, and then back in California for like two or three months, and then another year and a half in the Philippines. And then, so I haven't really been now while I was there, I would go on trips, like, you know, I'd like travel Southeast Asia for a few weeks, or I'd hike across Scotland for a couple of weeks, but it was always like, Two weeks here, three weeks there, four weeks there. It was never like that just sort of ongoing, on the road, just traveling, you know, which is what I'm hoping to do eventually. That's, Go that's, back right into it. That's that's the goal. That's the goal. I mean, like, I love these little trips, you know, but yeah. I really just want to be out there. I saw you right after you got back from your trip. Which the, one? The uh, the Spain trip. Yes, yes. And uh, you took a lot of photos. I did. And you showed me it. And looked amazing Thank you're you. gonna go back and do it again correct i am gonna yeah well so i'm gonna do a different route so i'm gonna do the camino del norte which runs across the northern coast um it's not as uh it's it's a little hikier it's it's not as it's not as flat so it's it's a lot prettier stunning scenery it's a lot hikier and you don't come across towns as frequently on the camino frances you pass through on average maybe anywhere from at least two to like four towns in just a single day. So you have more than your few options. You can decide, all right, do I want to stay in this one or do I want to press on for another two hours, you know, before I spend the night. With the Camino del Norte, you'll go like a whole day and maybe see one town. So mm -hmm. it's a lot more, it's a lot campier, a lot hikier, um, a lot prettier. So I am super psyched for that. I'm going to do that one next year, hopefully. So with the knowledge you have from the first time, going back the second time, what are some things you're going to adjust and, and maybe change to comp, like make it easier or may, maybe even just you can enjoy it a little more? 
Um, much more time. Yeah, yeah take yeah, your taking, time. Taking more time with it. <clears throat> How much did you bring with you? I had about twelve. I had about twelve kilos, so about twenty-five pounds in my pack. Um, because the thing is, I went towards the end of the year ish, so I was going about November, December, and so it was dipping down into like the forties, and it was getting pretty cold. So I had to have like a fleece. I had to have some stuff. Um, but yeah, it was just a standard pack. Um, you know, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Just you know, uh, sleeping bag, clothes. Anything different you're gonna bring now? Um, I would try and pack lighter. Like I've been oh, cool. following these ultralight communities, yeah. like on Reddit and stuff, and sure. like just seeing how crazy they get with how light. And because yeah. having having done that hike, every pound really freaking matters. I heard of things of, of guys will cut their toothbrush in half to yeah. cut some of the ounces to to switching up certain gear. Um, did, did you? So you brought minimal technology. No, I. <laughs> no, you bought a lot of technology. I, there was so all the technology. so like the, 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 there were Germans that I was that I would occasionally run into, and they used to call me Mister Future Man. <laughs> yeah, that sounds threatening. Yeah, no, they. But Mister Future Man, yeah, but. Future Man, because I had Futterman. so I had like. Uh, I, yeah, you I know that reference. <laughs> I know I, that reference. I enjoyed that series. Man. It was it was fun. It was weird at the end, but I can't wait. That's called Future Man, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so like I had, not only did I have my camera, I had like a wireless little printer that Fuji, uh, Instax printer. Oh, it's right. I had, I would use my phone to upload my photos. I had all these card readers. I had my backup battery and it just, it's cause, and that's kind of like the trap of modern day photography too, is that you, it kind of comes with a lot of accoutrement. That you know, were you, you able to like, get put photos from. there and give them as gifts or trade? Yeah, is that what yeah. you did? Right? Um, and I had, I mean, it's funny. It was so I first learned about it. There's a photographer called Zach Arias, and he, Zacharias. Zacharias. He's a, <laughs> he sounds like a dragon. Zacharias. Um, he carries many photos. And so he's a Fuji photographer, and he loves his Instax printer because you can print wirelessly. You can print off your phone, and so he would take it and it would kind of like open doors and and bridge barriers you know when he would travel and that's what i did so for example i brought it on the camino and i did just that so i would print for i would take somebody's photo and if i liked that i'd print it it got me weed um it got me some great uh experiences like there was this one you know old man in you know in the middle of nowhere um and it turned out he basically rebuilt his whole village his whole tiny little village in little sculptures and like little woodwork sculptures and it was fantastic and i took his picture and i printed it to give it to him and he was stunned by it like like a chance like like looking at magic He's you know and like it absolutely like he absolutely loved it it was it was a great moment you know i printed like for little kids and it just it's it's a really cool way to kind of like break the ice mm -hmm. uh, but that's the thing so to me that's worthwhile baggage. That's worthwhile weight, but it adds up. You can you do know? the same thing now. I don't know. Um, maybe. I mean, because you know, see things like that. The funny thing is, is that you don't necessarily miss them when you don't have them because they're sort of like add-ons. They're things that make life a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So you love having them, but you don't. Rem you know, you don't necessarily miss them. It's so, like I haven't traveled with my. I haven't used my three. Uh, my uh, printer in ages 
And the thing is, when I used to use it when I travel, like you meet people in a hostel, you meet people in a bar, you take a picture together, you know, you sit and you, you suddenly have a memento. You know, I rode uh, Vietnam with these two guys, you know, uh, Ben and Chris, and we did the whole, uh, we started in Hanoi uh, and we went down to Ho Chi Minh to Saigon. And, you know, it was great. And we, we rode together for about a, a week, week and a half, something like that. And then towards the end, like we, you know, I took a picture and I printed, I made three prints of it and we all have, so like they're out there in the world they right now. Print. And I mean, yes, okay. They also have the photo on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> because still, we're friends and I sent it to them, but still it's, there's still something nice because, you know, it's like objects, we infer meaning into objects or, you know, there's, there's not just sentiment, but just significance attached to them. You know, these were photos that we kind of printed and shared and then, you know, they have theirs and I have mine. And so like, I probably would bring the printer again, but I really do need a pack lighter. Cause man, I'm getting old. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, well, I, now you're going to be wiser in this shit, but what's yeah. an essential thing you want to bring that you didn't bring before? Oh Jesus. That I didn't bring before. Yeah. Um, like top three things you didn't bring. You're like knife, laser, Gun, sword. See, I, <laughs> see, I see, like, like as they say, no. I, well, I had my, I had a, um, a charger. I had a, a solar charger. I had nice. a backup battery. I. Had... What was okay? How about this? What's something you brought? You're like, why did I bring this? <laughs> yeah, that might be. That's easier. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you were very prepared. You know, you did your research. Yeah. The, the, oh yeah, I was. Yeah. I, and that was the thing too. It's funny because this was my first backpacking trip. So I had never traveled really before this. I or when I had traveled, it was either within the countries that I was residing. So it's you know it's like traveling to Chicago. That's not really you know exotic. You did a real hike you know, travel. Yeah, camp. this was this is my first time, and so I researched it. I looked everything up. I read all these different blogs. I you know read about like the dangers and people who died and you know what's this the dangers? Well, like there are some parts in the beginning, like in the Pyrenees, where if you're not careful, you can slip and fall sure. to your okay. death. Uh, stuff like that. There there have been some um, there have been some cases of violence towards women. Oh, there, yeah, yeah. There, there was That's a Camino hiker that she went. I think. I think she went missing, or she turned up dead, or both, hmm. uh, about a year or so ago. Uh, but I mean, like these are things that are inherent to just travel in general. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I was pretty, by the time that, by the time that I had set out for there, I was pretty prepared. Uh, one thing I wasn't prepared for was how much I didn't actually speak French. Um, because so, so the day that I was going to start it, I had to get to, um, I, you know, I parted ways with my girlfriend, um, you know, in, in, in typical French fashion on, on a train platform, you Smoking know, a cigarette. the tearful <laughs> goodbye, um, in black and white. Oh, and slow-mo and grainy and everything. Mm -hmm. And then, so I took my train to, you know, a different station. And then, so I was supposed to wait for another train, but it was going to be uh, like, where, whereabouts I'm this um, was somewhere in location. France. Okay. Like so, so I, you start in this town you called. Broke up with your girlfriend in France. What was that tight move? <laughs> no, no, no. She broke up with me much later in Austin. Okay. okay. Or well. you know, or no, no. I'm sorry. She broke up with me in Jersey. So yeah, I mean, 
it's getting worse. Man. Which is like, to be fair though, to be fair though, Jersey is pretty much the opposite of Paris. That's true. Well, then there you go. You know, so yeah, so right. it's yeah. you know, you get together in Paris, you break up in Jersey. That's how it goes. Such is life. I think Springsteen wrote a song about that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I get to the train station in in France, and uh, I'm waiting, and it's about gonna it's gonna be like three or four hours until the the train finally comes because it's a Sunday. And there's nobody around, and I'm not sure what's going. And there's a cab outside, and so I ask him, "Hey, how much would it take to just drive me to Saint Jean Pied de Port? How far is that in miles?" Well, that's the thing. It well, clearly it was a train ride away. Okay, so so, so it's three hundred. So it's, 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 it's it's some distance. It, it, well, no, I would say it was maybe like sixty kilometers, like forty forty five miles, about a good hour's drive. Okay. Okay. And so I asked him, how much is it? And he goes, oh, it'll probably be about 25 euro. Like, well, shit. Okay, let's, fuck it. Let's just do it. Let's, let's just, uh, you know, swear. just drive me. And so he drives me. I'm looking at that meter. I'm looking at my Google Maps. I'm looking at the meter. I'm like, hmm, we're, we're coming up on, on 25. And we're barely like a, a quarter of the way there. This is interesting. And then I realized he said 125. But uh, he'd said it in French because I'd oh. asked him in French because I thought I had a per- I had a grasp of of basic French counting because I'd been speaking tourist French for two weeks, you know, because Uh-oh. like my girlfriend spoke fluent French. And so like she was kind of like teaching me some basic things. And so it turned out to be a one hundred and twenty five euro to his credit. Well, OK, so it was like. He had quoted something like um, 125, and it came out to be uh, 113. Uh, or no, it came out to be like 130. And so at first he tried to only take 125. Said no, no, the meters, the meters. Like he tried to take what he'd quoted regardless of what the meter said, which is like the exact opposite of of what cab drivers, in my experience, would do. Yeah. Okay. You know. But still, yes, it was an expensive start to the Camino. Mm. This was this was my first, and that was the funny thing is because up until that point, all that travel, every time I travel, I'd travel with someone else. Okay, anytime I had traveled alone, it was going from point A to point B. It was like oh, I was going back to the Philippines. Oh, I was going somewhere. It's not like I traveled for the sake of traveling by myself. Okay, and so as soon as I part ways from my girlfriend, as soon as I get off the train after parting ways from her. I had this weird feeling of, oh my God, I'm really on my own now. This is it. This is, I'm on my own. This is, I'm doing this. Oh my God, this is great. And then I get into the cab and I end up the first obstacle. 100, 125 euros. <laughs> it, it, it's like, yeah, it's like the idiot tax, you know, or, or the wisdom tax, however you want to, yeah. you know, whichever like way you want to phrase it. <laughs> I've paid the wisdom tax a lot over the years. What? Well, yeah, I do that like every <laughs> month in some kind of ways. Yeah. What's the uh, What's the next destination? So my next immediate destination, um, traveling wise, is going to be I'm going to Iceland in June. Um, I've never been. A buddy of mine and I have been meaning to go for a while, and it's always been like, all right, we're going to go, we're going to go, and go. Well, I don't have any money yet, neither do I. All right, next season. All right, cool. And then finally, we're like. Yeah, I still don't have money, but if we don't do it now, we're never going to do it. So let's just yeah. let's just do it. So we got the tickets, and it's cheap to fly to Iceland. It's like you know, a hundred twenty bucks one way, and then like thirty bucks U.S. For currency. Yes, from, from from the east coast, from okay. the west coast, okay. 
From LAX, it's uh, I looked it up actually the other day. It was something like two hundred and twenty one way. Yes, that's really good. That's that's cheaper than flying to like Tampa, you know. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, when you get there, everything's expensive. Like beers are like fifteen dollars, and chicken is like ten dollars a pound because it's an island in the middle of nowhere, and they got to import everything. They got to import everything. It's like it's like cold Hawaii, you know. <laughs> Iceland is the opposite of Hawaii. Super Hawaii just, is a tiny little archipelago. Yeah. Iceland is just a big honking island. Wow. Uh, where uh, The main place in Iceland is Reykjavik. Reykjavik. Yeah. yeah, and so that's where we're flying into. Um, we're not really sure what we're going to do yet. Our plan is to camp uh, because it's, it's cheap or free, uh, and then we are using one of our luggage allowance to bring food with us. Because uh, it's cheaper, yeah. So I'm bringing like powdered peanut butter and you know steel cut oats and stuff that'll fill you up and not weigh too much. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to Iceland and then later this You're year. You're going camping in Iceland? That's badass. Yeah, yeah. Take some it, photos. It came and it came down to a decision between because we originally wanted to go in the winter so we could see the Northern Lights. You have to die. It's the cold. It's super cold. It's cold. And the other thing is, uh, much of Iceland is inaccessible during the winter because of snow. It's unsafe and it's so inaccessible. It's summer now. Now it's summer. Okay. Uh, it's it's as thawed as it's going to get, and so all of the gorgeous Icelandic landscape is just open for anybody to visit. You know, it's still cold, but and it is stunning. Like I've seen pictures and I've heard it's it's like an alien. It's like an alien planet. Um, so I am really excited for that. Nice, I am man. really excited for that. Um, and then, yeah, then later in the year after that, it's my dad's 75th birthday, so we're all going to, uh, like, Budapest, Prague, and Vienna. Um, You're in a world tour. Yeah, and then at the end of the year, it's, like, back to the Philippines, and then next year's when I start my grand world tour. Dude. I may or may not, if I magically win the lottery, I have plans to meet up with this girl in Taipei. Um, but not there. I like it. Uh, and so, Wait, but the ta- thing I'm is... I'm dumb. Where's Taipei? Ta- so Taipei's in Taiwan. <laughs> Taipei's in Taiwan. Okay. It's in Asia. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, and so the thing is, it, but I would be meeting up with her like a week or two before I had to be in Europe to visit, to, to meet up with my dad and my sisters for my dad's 75th birthday. So there, there is apparently um, the Orient, uh, uh, the Trans Siberian Railroad Whoa. runs from Beijing to Moscow. Were you going to say the Orient Express? Is that a real thing? It, it used to it be. Used to be. Okay. It's, it's, it's no longer running. No, it's the Trans Siberian Railroad. It's a week long journey, fuck, right? <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> um, it goes from Beijing to Moscow. It's it's a week, and it's it's basically like multiple trains. So it's the rail, but you take different trains and you transfer and stuff. Um, and so what I would do if I could, if I have the money is like, you know, meet up in Taipei, do my thing. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I will. Uh, get to, uh, Beijing, take the Trans-Siberian to Moscow, then fly to yeah. Budapest, feel like friggin' Robert Ludlum, you know, you wear suits, just the whole trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and hats with brims. Yeah. And the pipe with, yes. with herbal herbs in it. Um, <laughs> What's your camera? What camera are you using now? And what are you going to be bringing with you as far as photography wise? So I've got a Fuji uh, X-T1. Is that what we shot with today? Yes, that's what we shot with today. That's pretty much been my work camera for the past uh, few years now. I don't know anything about cameras. Is that a good camera? <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a pretty great camera. I mean, the thing, the thing that I love is that it's, you know, cameras, 
like with a lot of other technology, like with phones and stuff, have gotten to the point where the technology is so good, we can worry about other things. Like, you know, for example, um, like I have a Nintendo Switch, and I friggin' love oh, it. I gotta get one, man. It's amazing. It's it's amazing. It is the best console I've ever played. And the reason why is, you know, because of the portability and stuff. Now, the graphics are not, can never compete with a PS4 or an, or an X-Bone. But, um... It's good enough. It's more than good enough to tell a compelling story. You know what I yeah, mean? And it's the same. And it's the same thing with our phones. And it's the same thing with our cameras. Like the technology is good enough to do what you need it to do. So you know, it's it's more about at this point. Like when I switched to Fuji, you know, I'd been shooting on Nikon for for years. You know, like Since I said, that's what yeah. I started. You know, and then when I started with the D seventy, I worked my way up there rung. From the D70 to the D80 to the D90 to the D300 to the D700. So, like, up from, like, the hobbyist to the to the pro cameras. Um, and I went from a Nikon D700, which is, like, a full-frame, you know, pro-level camera, um, to the Fuji X-T1, which is this crop sensor. Just It's still... it's it, But it's still really good. But it on a technical level, it can't compete with the Nikon. But it was just so fun to shoot with. It was light. It was small. It had a classic design. It mm-hmm. felt good in my hand. I didn't feel like I was lugging a piece of hardware. It didn't feel obtrusive, which is the big thing. It didn't feel like it was getting in between you and what you were shooting. You wow. know what I mean? Because normally you're taking a picture and you got this monstrous black box with a big black tube sticking out of your head. And that's what people see. And with this, like they see your face behind it. They see the person and... And it's a conversation piece. And so I just, I used it more. I had so much more fun with it. Um, And so I started using it for work. And, you know, if you took an older picture of mine and a newer picture, like with the different systems, and you held them side by side, yes, the Nikon, you'll say, oh, this is technically better. It's sharper. It's cleaner. The the bokeh is smoother, whatever. But the image is still, the, the Fuji image is still fantastic, you know, because it's an image is more than just the technical aspects of it. It's more than just, you know, the pixel count, you know, you brought up something that I, and I love and we're at the point right now with technology, but even with life I, I'm at, I feel like, fuck it. It's good enough. <laughs> exactly. Do you know what I mean? Uh, at the age I'm at and, and just what I've been through in the last eight years, I'm like, fuck it. It's, you know what? It's good enough. It's close enough to take it. <laughs> and technology, that's amazing with technology. But you also brought up another interesting thing that that struck clear right now is when we were shooting. Like you've taken most of my headshots and most photos of me. Then I haven't taken many headshots or photos, um, but most of my like my favorite photos have been through you. Yeah, ditto, yeah. And today, I noticed like it was a smaller camera. I could see your eyes. I could see your face. And you know we just have a way with working each other that like a lot of it is joking around. I forget we're taking pictures. Yeah, and. You're right. There's it's it's less obtrusive, but also like it feels uh, there's something romantic about it, even the way it looks. And I was looking at it, like I mean obviously the lens changed. I noticed is the biggest thing, but the the, the body itself, um, it can still it's still fu- the functionality of it, but also just it looks classic. Mm-hmm. Like I wish I could take photos of you taking photos of me, which would be <laughs> weird. But you know what I meant? Like yeah. it's it's weird in my apartment doing those, and uh, what I saw it looks great. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm. It's exciting to 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 know that the outcome of that, the product, the the, the final 
um, version of those. But also, like you saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it's like it's like those classic roadster cars that I'm sure you know can't really hold up to like the latest BMW, but they're just such a hoot to drive. Yeah, it's like you know what, I'm driving to have fun. I'm not driving to see how fast I can go zero to sixty. That's not why I get behind the wheel of a car. I think it also summed up a little bit too of you know you asked me early on like what's what's my goal here in LA and it's to, to create and and to be proud make something I'm proud of and at this point like and it sounds fucked up but like I'll take what I can get and it's from what I've done so far it's good enough I want to do more yeah you know hence more photos with you but yeah. like uh I got to be proud of what I've done and what I'm doing and it's nice to know folks like yourself and have other friends as well but to, to speak about the process and the artistic part of it and you're delving into something now that blew my mind we had a long discussion yesterday yeah. about something i didn't even know about amazon and you you made it talk me talk to me about three hours yesterday and i i went to sleep thinking about it <laughs> because i never thought about the numbers like that yeah where do we start with that conversation um, without having to get you, to, to well you were just asking but it, it's funny that you mentioned that because i was actually just gonna think that that's exact um that saying like fuck it good enough well because that's kind of what i'm going through right now with the amazon thing Mm -hmm. you're a seller Uh, technically well so so i'm selling on amazon um i i started i guess i started the whole process almost a year ago but i've only been selling about six months like so i started selling very new six months pretty new well it depends i mean it's it's one of those things where six months is a lifetime for some people and some people can you know be up to like a quarter million dollars in sales in six months it's it's ridiculous but so I got into it. So, but the the thing is, um, I I got into it to sort of have this, you know, like supplement. You know, like this would be my income that I could that I could work while I travel. I could do from anywhere. Um, and the first product that I started with, I've been nurturing it and baby and really trying to get it going all this time. And it's 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 a slow learner. It's getting there, but it's it's kind of slow. But the thing is. I'd been holding off on anything else. And part of this whole uh, process, like I, I kind of mentioned, is that you don't just stop with one product. You you make a product, you get it up, you get it going, then you move on to the next. And I wasn't moving on to the next because I was still stuck on the first. So at a certain point, I just had to say, fuck it. <laughs> you know, time to, I got to move on to the next product. Like this one, I'm going to keep babying this and, you know, and, and I'm going to try and improve it, but I can't keep obsessing over it. I can't keep obsessing over how perfect you know because it's a business exactly okay you know it's like it's it's but it's like anything else it's like you never go to the beach because you're obsessing over not being in beach body enough shape yet and you end up never going you know um and so with this product it's like so i've i'm i'm moving on you know and that's why i was just funny that you bring it up because that's exactly what i'm going through is the whole fuck it good enough on to the next thing tell them the first product so the first product okay so to give (laughs) (laughs) that's anybody who knows me has heard that sigh a million times like they're listening right they go oh it's mike you know if they just heard that sigh, like oh it's mike it's his exasperated sigh um so the thing about amazon is that the traditional model that people follow is like with most sales you you take something you find a source you source it and then you just resell it right so you find and with uh with amazon it's tradition it's typically you find a source in china so let's say you're selling cell phone cases or you're selling you know high quality headphones 
you find a source in China, you import it, you know, you sell it on Amazon. And and then there are ways to refine that, you know, like the different ways that you can sell it, the different things you can do. But that's the basic model. You take something that exists that people are already looking for. You find people, you know, that are already selling it. So you know that there's a market and then you join that market and you trying to claw your way to the top of that market. So you decide, I'm going to start selling rubber spatulas. So you find the rubber spatula market and you find the products and you jump in and you claw your way to the top. And that's the way that everybody does it. And I looked at that and I said, that's for suckers. I'm smarter than that. And so I decided to um, make my own product, which is exactly the thing that all the experts say do not do. The first they say, do if one of the worst things you can do when you're starting out is starting with an untested product. So a product that is not already on Amazon that you cannot check to see how well it's been doing. Because like anything else, it's a numbers game. It's like the stock market. You know, when somebody buys a stock, they're not buying Pepsi stock because they believe in Pepsi. They're buying Pepsi stock because they think it's going to make them money. When most people sell on Amazon, they're not selling something they believe in. They're selling something's going to make them money. And then they build a narrative behind it to help sell it. And that's why, like, you know, you buy a pair of cooking gloves and then you get, like, this email from somebody saying, welcome to our family. They're building the narrative. They don't actually care about cookware, you know. Um, and so that's what everybody else does. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something else. And so I made my own product. And... I jumped in and sure enough, which I found out later when I eventually started doing things the way you're supposed to do it in the beginning, I found out that the market space that I jumped into is not really a good one because there's a lot of competition and not a lot of demand, which, you know, so I haven't been selling as well as I could have, but see, by the same token, it's my product. So yeah, there's, baby. yeah, exactly. So there is a sense of ownership there. There is a sense of, you know, personal, uh, uh achievement. And, yeah, you know, I kind of like pride in, you know, something. Even even though the growth has been slow, um, you know, and I'm and I'm still like I believe in the people who buy it. Like most everybody who buys it likes it. You know, my return rate on Amazon is is pretty low. It's like less than one percent. Um, so it's just a matter of the fact that like you know people don't really know about it, and the fact that. So the product is so it's a uh, so it's the strap book. I should probably see this is how good I am at marketing. You're, you're doing good. I'm so good at marketing. I talk about something for ten minutes. I still haven't mentioned the name. It's called a strap book. Strapbook.com, and it's basically uh, a sort of universal organizer. It's these elastic. Stra it's a weave of elastic straps that you can use to hold on to almost anything, and it's in a book form, so you can store it on shelves. You can put it in your bag. You can you know, easily take care of it. Um, and so the people love it. You know, people use it for their tools. They use it for their art supplies. They use it when I use it when I travel all the time. Uh, I have, and I mean, I have the benefit of having like boxes of stuff. So mm -hmm. like I have a box of, of quality control rejects that just weren't good enough to sell. Like maybe they have a scratch or something, but they're still perfectly functional. So I have them all over my house. I got them for like, you know, you, cables and chargers and, uh, first aid kits, and uh, I have like little emergency roadside toolkits in the cars. We uh, put together a cannabis. Uh, I I form. put together a cannabis Canvas kit with, yeah, with the vape and everything. 
Um, and so it's it's a solid product and it has uses. The problem is it doesn't have a specific market, you know, so it's a little bit trickier to, to sell. Um, but it's, you know, it's so basically I've been tasked with building a brand by myself. That's, that's what I gave myself to do. You know, that's what I signed myself up for is building a brand, launching, building awareness all by myself. So it's, it's coming along. It's a little slow, but in the meantime, I've decided, all right, okay, let's do it the way that people say you should do it. And I'm, uh, looking to, you know, I'm looking at my next product, um, you know, to, and this one will be just by the books. I have no emotional attachment to it. No, nothing. This is just a product. And the funny thing is you, you like, like, don't like, we've talked about the product, but don't mention it because Amazon sellers are a ruthless bunch. Yeah. It's, I'm, that makes me scared. It's, and it, sad. dude, it is ridiculous because there's money in this. There are people who are making millions of dollars a year off of this stuff. And you know, it's so easy for the algorithm or for one person or for just some bad reviews to completely tank you. And the other thing is it's getting more and more competitive a market that people are having to look further and harder to find products that are sort of like, quote unquote, guaranteed, you know, money makers. Mm -hmm. So the minute that somebody else starts, you know, saying like, oh, yeah, I'm doing really well with mine. People are like, really? Uh, what, what product are you selling over there? Uh, just out of curiosity. So, you know, I don't want to accidentally compete. Oh, you're slick. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. So, I mean, we talked about, you know, you're building your brand, uh, but you're also kind of living. Uh, what, so, Vegabon Vivant? Yeah. So, that's your so name. That, that, well, that's that's my photography name. Um, yeah. That's, but you live in it and it's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that's a perfect example of me falling in love with an idea over its practicality. Because let me tell you, <laughs> Vagabond Vivant yes. is not an easy web URL to hand to people as you travel. Okay. You why? Know, why? Got, well, for starters, you got a lot of soft Vs in there that, that just trip people up you know especially pronunciation is it an f is it a is it a fa is it a va is it a sa is it a you know and then it's english and french and you know it's it's a play on words that only a handful of people are gonna get vagabond vivant mm -hmm. you know that only a few people are gonna get it's one of those things look at how clever i am and completely impractical as a domain name i am forever searching i'm searching for that one word that's like universally gettable, like that, whether you're Spanish, whether you're American, whether you're Vietnamese, what, you know, wherever you're from, whatever your linguistic background, you will be able to grok that word. As far as the branding for your, yourself as a photographer or no, just, just, just to have as a domain so that I can set up email forwarding. Just like dick.com. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. See, everyone knows what that is. Precisely. So, you know, when I meet somebody, hey, what's your email? Mike at dick.com. Boom. Remembered. Versus Mike at vagabondvivant.com. What the hell? Mm -hmm. You know? But I do like it, though. It is. I love it. It, it describes is. you, and it's fun. It is. It and that's fun. encapsulate what you, what you do, it man. I, I just need to come up with, like, a, a URL shortener for it. Yeah. Like, viviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviviv
Well, I'd prefer I were alive because it would be kind of boring if I were dead. Well, you wouldn't know what the afterlife is. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I would... I'm an optimist in the sense that I still think I have a shot at, like, ever meeting someone living like Bill Murray or something. So, you know what? Honestly, the first person to come to mind was Douglas Adams. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, and it's... We were talking, you know, earlier about how there are certain deaths that we randomly remember. Like, oh, wow, Phil Hartman's dead. You know, and then we get sad. And Douglas Adams is one of those... I still remember where I was when I found out he was dead. You know, um, I I still remember how he died. He had a heart attack on a treadmill while he was dying. And I was never like like a huge like Douglas Adams fanboy. I loved his work, you know, but it was but for some reason just uh, like his death just kind of stuck with me. Um, he was a gadget freak. He loved like he was such a he was such a bleeding edge gadget guy. He would have loved the present. I mean, that's just it. Like, I think about, like, oh, my God, if Douglas Adams could have been on Twitter. You know, like, he's up <laughs> there with, like, you know, Neil Gaiman and Stephen Fry. That that kind of, that echelon of, of legendary British just auteurs. And, you know, I get to see them, and it's like they're missing that one buddy. You mm. know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, so I think if I could have tea with somebody... It would be with with you know uh, Douglas Adams, the man who wrote, you know, life, the universe, and everything. Who in, who imagined life, the universe, and everything. It's beautiful. Yeah, I like that. Um, where can people find you, Mike? <laughs> people can find you know people. People always ask me whenever I travel anywhere, they go, oh, did you, are you moving to LA? Are you, are you living in LA now? It's like, I'm never living anywhere really. So the easiest place to find me is vagabondvivant.com. That's my personal stuff. That's my photography. Um, I don't update. I tend to not update when I'm not traveling. So like, it's been kind of quiet lately, but that is still my kind of home. Um, and the strapbook.com, uh, it's basically where it's it's the basket in which almost all of my eggs currently reside. You're also pretty prolific on Twitter as well, right? What's your Twitter handle? Um, well, Twitter, Twitter a little bit, yeah. So basically, but my social media all over is Vagabond Vivant as well. Oh, okay. So that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Bumble, Bumble, Tinder, Grinder, yeah, JD. you know, Fender, Fender. Do you know about Fender? F E N D R. Oh God, what is that? Yeah, that's that's a people that like to have sex with cars. Cool. Yeah. Kit is is a very common cosplay request. And ending on a positive note, Mike, brother, you are a uh, unique uh, journeyman, and I'm glad to to know you and have you in my life, man. Thank you. Ditto. And I am so glad to have finally gotten a chance to be on the show. Right on. Awesome. Let's go get stoned. Woo.